You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We are breaking down Matt Williamson's latest dynasty draft. How is he seeing things when you put all the players in the pot and draft with the future in consideration, not just the 2021 season? Dynasty drafts are always fun, especially startup drafts. How do we see these things? So we'll get into that with Matt Williamson's newest dynasty team and... The latest on Aaron Rodgers. What is his beef? A little bit more insight and an interesting take on who will be the starter in Green Bay Week 1. This episode brought to you by Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Go to stathero.com slash locked on for 300% back on your first play. All right, Matt, I'm excited to get into your dynasty draft. I've already taken a peek at your squad, and uh, I like the direction you're going, and it's not super surprising with some of the directions you've gone with those picks early. You've gone through seven rounds of a slow-moving draft, but we got to start with Aaron Rodgers, and uh, the, the holdout is officially on. He's not with his teammates, not working out at mandatory minicamp there for the Green Bay Packers, but uh, an interesting couple of notes here. We'll start with... His former teammate, James Jones, who was on with Cal- Colin Cowherd uh, yesterday, I believe. And uh, really some good insight into the beef of Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers has said it, and, and now James Jones, who talks to him a lot, has said it. And basically, it's not about the GM. And it's not about the players they've brought in. And then when Cowherd asked him, okay, well, what is Aaron Rodgers' number one beef? And he said, well, that's a private conversation. I can't tell you what that is. So there's like some beef here that that nobody will say what it is. But um, he seems to think it's truly fixable so that it's a fixable situation. They can sit down and fix it. He did kind of go into it a little bit, though, which I thought was interesting. He's, he did start to name. He named himself, first of all. He named Charles Woodson. Jordy Nelson, uh, Clay Matthews, some other players that went on to maybe play and and give another franchise after the Packers some some value, and that maybe the Packers have leaned a little bit too heavily on drafting and developing rather than keeping really good players in house that could help now that were good for the locker room. So I think that's pr- and actually you had talked about this recently as as what you suspected was the problem and so I think that is probably the beef so I think James didn't say it but he kind of spilled the beans anyway this is about how they treat other veterans that aren't Aaron Rodgers not about who they have brought in and that includes Jordan Love who who Aaron Rodgers has said he doesn't have a problem with at all with that draft pick I half agree with him on the love thing I mean I bet he's Kind of saying that because he probably likes Jordan as a person and realizes how the quarterback thing's gone. And he was that guy not that long ago. Well, kind of long ago. And I'm sure he is sticking up for some of his buddies, the Jordan Nelsons of the world. And I get his beef. I mean, I do. And and a lot of it just comes down to how do you treat the players? You know, what kind of respect do they get? And I had heard that the Packers had no communication, for example, with Corey Lindsley this past year, who was one of the best centers in the league. You know, they don't even talk about bringing him back. Just don't let the door hit you on the way out. Boom, he signs. Oh, well, you know, it's got to be a – there is a personal level to this, and there's got to be an odd feeling if you've, you know, or a mid early mid-round pick like Lindsey, get better, better, better. Then you're at the height of your power. 
13-3 and three NFC Championship game, and no one even calls me to say, hey, what do you want to come back, you know? So those type of things matter. And I often bring up the ownership situation. I think having a longtime owner, especially a family that's done this, you know, generation after generation, might make those things a little easier. But I will say it wasn't that long ago the Packers went, I don't know, 15, much of Rogers' career, and before that, never bringing in outside help. You know, I mean, now they go out and get free agents. I mean, I know they let people leave, but, you know, they had Adrian Amos. I mean, it doesn't sound like much to most people, but he's one of the best safeties in the league. You pluck him off a division rival, and he's been a great player for you. They never used to do that before. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I absolutely can see it. I don't think it's a bad... <laughs> it's here's what the I think from Aaron Rodgers' perspective too is is super interesting because from our expect our perspective is like yeah draft and develop that's how you keep the thing together for a long time you get a great quarterback and then you draft and develop and then Rodgers is probably saying well I'm the great quarterback right so if it's all <laughs> revolving around me I'm seeing all my friends come in that help me win and then now they're gone like that's that's got to be an odd feeling for Aaron Rodgers to just watch this happen and he doesn't have any say in it so um and and I. And I I think at a certain point, executives probably don't want players running the show. But when you get somebody who's at the level of Aaron Rodgers and, and for so long, you got to throw him at least a bone, right? And, and talk to him about some of these things. I mean, you just have to at that point. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking as you're saying that, you know, how much different was that than Brady in New England? You know, I mean, at the end there. But, I mean, did, did Brady have any input? I mean, it, it doesn't seem not. like it. And it didn't seem like Brady even wanted that much input. But right. at the end, it was it did seem like a situation that is kind of like where it is with Green Bay. It's a little bit more public here with this Green Bay Rodgers situation with Rodgers not showing up now. But I, I think it was probably not all that different, really, with the way Brady felt at the end. Yeah. And you know, that's why I was thinking about Brady is like it's pretty clear that he brought in his buddies, Antonio Brown and Gronk and Tampa and had a lot of say in things. And that's probably a big reason he went there. I'm sure since he was a baby Patriot, he realized I got no say in this thing. There's one dude that, you know, we talked about that the other day. There's one dude in charge and it ain't me. And I'll restructure my contract and be a good soldier. I mean, that was, you know, you would think that would carry a little bit of weight. But, you know, the Patriots, and I'm not saying the Packers are the same, but I guess you could bring this up with Nelson and people like that. The Patriots are notorious or good at, I mean, being very cold and moving on from players a year too early as opposed to a year too late. And part of it, I mean, I don't mean to sound sympathetic to the teams or the front offices. That's a good way of doing business in this league. I mean, the NFL's not for long. You can't just stick around and hold on to Jordy Nelson when he can't run anymore. That's why it's such a different perspective from the way you and I look at this thing, where I don't have a pro right. problem really with the Packers did anything except for, uh, I, you know, why bring in the quarterback unless you're ready to move on. And I think that's where it's sort of a poker match. And it's the game of the draft. It's the, the game of the NFL when it comes to personnel. And the Packers made a move at the poker table and weren't ready to, to go all in on it. If you're going to draft Jordan Love, you have to be prepared to move on from Aaron Rodgers at his current age. And they they are not. And so that's where this whole thing, to me, and it has nothing to do with personal feelings, has nothing to do with, uh, you know, who they, who else they drafted, who else they, um, who else they didn't keep over the years. 
it's like okay you you made a plan you made your bed now you gotta you gotta sleep in it right and so that's the way I kind of look at this thing and and apparently that's not Aaron Rodgers beef but um build a team and and stick to your plan and, and go with it and so I I feel like that Aaron Rodgers played better screwed up their plans and I think Peter Bukowski yeah. talked about this last week on our show but in my in my opinion that only helps the Packers with what their plan was already going to be and if you weren't prepared to move on from Aaron Rodgers then help Aaron Rodgers so if you're going to do neither of those things that's just bad team building and then you're not helping the Rodgers by drafting a, a 250 pound running back in the second round of that same draft either so help your team win or don't yeah I agree with basically everything you said there too and you know, the conversation we had with Peter last week is one you should go check out if you haven't already. But, you know, we, we kind of laid it out that when they took Jordan Love, Rodgers was coming off of three-ish down years by his amazing standards, and you can't count on every quarterback to play till they're 40. So as a result, the Packers still get what they wanted, amazing quarterback play. You know what I mean? Like, whether the process was right or not, they had can at the time for the long term but the results were awesome quarterback play so are they really that upset <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> right right uh interesting and this this aaron Rodgers thing's not going to end so we'll i'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about as reports continue until he actually shows up to camp or gets traded and it doesn't seem like either one of those things is going to happen right now and actually have one more note on that very subject when this will end what it could look like when the season starts for the Packers coming up next. Then we'll get into Matt Williamson's latest startup dynasty draft next. Guys, I got to tell you about Stat Hero. This is pretty cool. I mean, do you guys know that 85% of the people who play daily fantasy lose? And if you think about it, it really isn't that surprising. I mean, the game is absolutely rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools, more time, more knowledge. Uh, you really don't stand much of a chance, you know. So, introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. And here's how it works Stat Hero, Stat Hero shows you all their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. Uh, your name, your stakes, winner, take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time, no one else does that. Um, I can't wait to dig in. I, I love my odds in that kind of situation. And you're in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. -on -one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. So here's what you do. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, all caps, all one word. Sign up for free, and right now you get three times what you get back on your first play. Three times. They're giving you 300% match. I mean, that's unheard of as well. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. Just got back a little vacation from Lake Tahoe, and guess what? Bill Bars came in handy multiple times. Late night, needed a little something, everything's closed, grab a Bill Bar. Early morning, breakfast, on the run, grab a Bill Bar. Right before the back nine, playing Oh, beautiful golf courses in Lake Tahoe and need a little something back nine. Don't want to reach for some gnarly meal. Just grab a little built bar. You're on your way. Protein, 17 grams of protein to be exact. Only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar in most built bars and only four grams of net carbs. Even good for a keto 
diet. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter, which is my favorite, double chocolate, salted caramel, and there's new flavors all the time like the grasshopper, which was fantastic is what I had on the golf course in Lake Tahoe. So wherever you are, on vacation, at home, need a snack, go to BuiltBar.com, get yourself 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Okay, Matt, to wrap this up with Aaron Rodgers' current holdout, Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM of the Jets. I believe he was, uh, I don't think he was, his, his title wasn't GM with the Dolphins, but been around the league a long time, has some connections, and he was on ESPN with Mike Greenberg this morning talking about this Aaron Rodgers holdout in the Green Bay Packers situation, and he said something very interesting. Now, he's not been 100% right. Uh, he got the Mac Jones thing very wrong, and he was sort of driving the bus on Mac Jones. Remember when he said the the ceiling for Mac Jones in the draft was pick number eight overall? And both of us said, huh? Wait, what? Yeah, the ceiling? Right. What are you talking about? And obviously, we know he went to pick 15. So um, the league didn't like Mac Jones as much as some people thought, and, and Mike Tannenbaum among them. So he's not always exactly accurate, but he has a certain perspective as a former GM. And he said he believes what will happen in this Rodgers, Jordan Love, Packers quarterback situation is that they won't trade Aaron Rodgers and he won't show up. So Jordan Love will actually be the starting quarterback in week one for the Packers this year with Aaron Rodgers still on the roster and that Aaron Rodgers won't show up until like week three or four or something like that. Uh, and when I heard that take, I thought, uh, is this another Mac Jones take from Mike Tannenbaum or does this make sense? Like, uh, that would be wild if this thing really plays out that way and in the end hurts the Packers and Rodgers and probably uh, uh, maybe it helps Jordan Love. I don't know if it, if it hurts or helps him at all, but that would just be seem like an odd ending to this whole thing. But maybe he's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much to add to that, but I mean, I could see Rogers being that stubborn. Uh, the one thing I did throw out yesterday is we have to be aware that the CBA has changed and that Rogers will pay a lot of money in fines if it does go down that way. And the Packers can't waive it like the olden days. It's not monopoly money like it used to be like, ah, we'll just throw that away. Um, that would be a good opportunity for love. And you said, is, you know, is this a good thing for love? Is it a bad thing for love? That obviously depends on how he plays. Yes. I would think we'll see a fair amount of love in the preseason either way. So at least we'll have an idea of what this player is. He's been in the news so much the last six months. I don't know if he's any better than what I saw at high, in college or not. That's one of the stories of this offseason that I'm so excited about. Is I've never been this excited about preseason games. We get to see yeah, a ton yeah. of players we didn't get to see last year. Jordan... Love is one of them, and there's a lot of young players and rookies from other teams that didn't get to play a lot their rookie year, and, and that happens a lot with rookies, and, and their teams don't really know exactly what they're going to look like in a game situation. And the fans definitely don't because they never got to see him because they just saw him as a name on a roster for an entire calendar year. So that will be fun, and Jordan Love, if he plays well, makes that even more difficult for the Packers and makes that decision difficult, right? Because then if Aaron Rodgers shows up, he's either going to screw up their young quarterbacks development when they had something going if he shows up in week three or four or he could come in and be the savior if Jordan Love's not playing well and then Jordan Love has zero value all of a sudden around the league so that I mean that it could be a disaster scenario but maybe the savior scenario for Rodgers and they still win a bunch of games but overall and even with some and I don't remember which player it was but there was a quote I think it might have been an anonymous player there was a quote from a Packers beat writer at that mandatory mini camp, and they were like, they, it, it sounded like they didn't care that Aaron Rodgers wasn't there, and, and not in a way that, oh man, it's okay, he's got his own business to handle. It was in a way of, look, 
we can only we can only roll with the guys that are here. So be mm-hmm. here or don't. And it was it was kind of like the the I got the vibe of all right, Aaron Rodgers, if you don't want to be here, then go. Like that was the vibe I got from the quote from at least one player on the Packers. So this this yeah, could, I, this could like really create some uh, a, a rift. I think fans are already you know split between what's going on here, either pro Packers or pro Aaron Rodgers in this, and th- this kind of thing can cause a rift in the locker room too between players that are on one side or the other of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, there is a human side to all this. Um, I agree with that, all that as well. You know, if love does show well, even just in the preseason. The teams like Washington, Tampa, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, whoever, you know, guys with old quarterbacks type of situation start calling the Packers and saying, hey, we at least have some NFL tape to go off of. We like your youngster if you're thinking about moving them. Um, You know, if this all goes down, is Denver still banging on the door for Aaron Rodgers? And really last note here. Um, you know, I, 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 everyone knows I do a lot of work here with the Steelers and is considered a local Steeler expert, as you are with the Niners, with Locked On Niners. And you mentioned it before, there's so many young guys, even on the team that I specialize in, Justin Lane, the Steelers corner they drafted two years ago in the third round, that I get questions about, and I have to answer it with, I haven't seen them play in a year because there was no preseason. Like, I can't wait for some of these guys that the team has a bead on but I haven't been able to evaluate, you know, and there's going to be many of them around the league that are young players ready to step up that a lot of us are going to say, where, wow, where did he come from? And there's a lot of development that can happen over a rookie season for a player, even if he doesn't play at all. So Tons. I guess it shouldn't be a total shock if Jordan Love shows up and he's a lot more developed than we saw in his last year in college. And and, and actually, he played a lot better in the, the year before in college, too. Right, so right. maybe he's moved in, in, improved from there. So maybe he's a couple steps better than what we think he's going to be. And he has all the physical gifts in the world. And we've seen some reports about Jordan Love at camp showing off the legs and the arm already, too. So, you know, who, who knows? Maybe all of a sudden we, everyone <laughs> sits back in their seats and goes, whoa, okay. Well, maybe they do yeah, have something right. on their hands in Green Bay. Yeah, I just think there'll be a lot of surprises around the league of, whoa, that guy got a lot better. Or he's a lot better right. than I remember him because it's been two years. Right. There's a, there's a player right. that I'm seeing reports on from the 49ers, Jawan Jennings, who was a seventh-round pick out of Tennessee. You know, ran a 4'7". He's a 6'3", 200. 30 pound wide receiver and you know people thought when they drafted him are they moving him to tight end what do you do with this guy and he shows up to, and he was on the practice squad all year no idea what he looks like probably maybe doesn't even make the roster this year he shows up to OTAs and all the beat writers are like oh, okay well this guy looks different he looks in way better shape and and with Debo and Ayuk out uh, he was running with Muhammad Sanu with the ones in practice and it's like okay well maybe yeah something happened here over the course of his rookie season even though he didn't play at all and was on the practice squad and came in in the best shape of his life and maybe he's ready to win a roster spot so there's going to be a ton of those stories for probably every team for guys that were forgotten yeah, they've been getting coached, you know. <laughs> and it's all on them. If they worked hard and they got coached, and uh, and players are almost always better in their second year, especially at certain positions like uh, in the passing game, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks. Years two and three is where, where a lot of those players really take off. So they could still have a chance to do that, even though we never saw them, and they were under wraps for 2020. All right, let's get into this dynasty draft startup that you're in the middle of and for anybody who's never done one of these slow drafts i love the slow drafts because there's kind of always something you can check on and you have a few hours to make your pick and it can last a a week it can last a month it can last forever sometimes depending on how long your draft is and how long the clock is and how into it some people are um but you're doing a slow 
Dynasty startup draft here, and it is a 12-teamer, correct? And what pick did you have in this draft? I got the fifth, which means, you know, in a snake draft, I get the, what, the ninth or whatever in the next round. Um, it is PPR, but not super flex. It's a very slow, well, I mean, it's a normal slow type of deal. The first pick was made uh, late on June 3rd, and we've made 88 picks since as of this recording on June 9th. So it gives you some idea. Um, the top of the draft will go a little slower than the, the bottom because, you know, a lot of people are fielding offers and whatnot. And with the fifth pick, that was my plan all along was uh, there's no one here I love. I want to trade back. But apparently the other 11 league mates feel the same. N nobody was really able to trade back until late. Everybody was trying to do that. So we pretty much had the stick and pick despite a lot of talks and whatnot. But everybody wanted to trade backwards and not up. But as the draft's gone up and gone on, I've traded up a few times. I traded back once. So I five and made my pick and um, get to the picks here in a minute. But a common – I urge everyone to check out Locked on Dynasty. We talk about this a lot. Yes. And Ryan and I do two shows a week. And a common theory, or at least the, the old school way of thinking, in my opinion – was draft receivers like crazy, invest in receivers, and the logic's pretty simple. You know, if you draft Justin Jefferson, you hope to start him for 10 years, where if you, dra if you draft Jonathan Taylor, you probably get four years out of him. I look at it the opposite, though. I mean, and I think the world's just leading this way. I want young running backs that I only get four years out of, probably trade them in year three for a couple first-round picks or something like that, and be very competitive. I mean, so... I was more running back centric in the first three rounds than any team. So um, that, that was my theory. We'll see how it works out. The most fun I have playing fantasy football now is keeper leagues, dynasty leagues because of yeah. that aspect, because of how differently every franchise could build their roster and how many, how many more trade opportunities there are and how you can pay attention to it a little bit more during the off season. And it's gotten to the point where I've shortened my list of leagues I play in, in redraft leagues and those leagues the most fun time I have is if I get together live with my friends, which we didn't get to do last year, and, and have a sure. draft party in person. And then the rest of the year is boring compared to that. And I'm more interested in my dynasty leagues because you can build a team a certain way and you can look into the future with a lot of these things. And obviously, in a dynasty league, you're looking more than one year. So, yeah, you could have a quarterback for 15 years if you get a Hall of Famer and, and that buoys your team for a long time. Or you can get a wide receiver that is on your team forever. So it's not quite all, oh, let's just draft running backs early you can do a lot of different strategies here but uh in this draft it's interesting that it was running backs early we'll get to those picks coming up here and finish up this wednesday episode of peacock and williamson all right let me talk about rockauto.com they've been a really good friend of the locked on network now for a long time and they do amazing work and with all the increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need for your car, truck, whatever, at a traditional chain storefront. It just makes no sense. So a lot of you do a lot of work on your cars, and it makes a lot of sense financially or as a hobby or whatever. you got to check out rockauto.com because their prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do, for example. Um, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you're looking for. Their catalog's extremely 
easy to navigate. Uh, see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specs, prices you prefer. Uh, I mentioned that the prices are always reliably low and same for, for, for professionals as they are for you guys. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So here's what you do. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how, do, how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. That's locked on, two words. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com so not really super surprising at the very top. And it's interesting that you had the fifth pick of this draft, which is probably a huge hinge point, I think, in, in a lot of redraft mm-hmm. leagues and probably dynasty leagues now that I look at the way this thing went down. And pick number one, just like in our mock fantasy draft that we did for redraft last week, Christian McCaffrey was the first player off the board. Saquon Barkley was number two. Jonathan Taylor was third. And then Dalvin Cook was the fourth player off the board. So all running backs, McCaffrey, Barkley, Taylor, Cook, which left Matt Williamson on the clock at pick five in this dynasty startup. All wide receivers, all tight ends, all quarterbacks on the board, Matt. Which direction did you go? Well, I told myself going into this that I wanted to trade down, and I I was promising myself my first three picks, and you can start three running backs, were all going to be young running backs. So those were my rules going in. Try to trade down, didn't accomplish that. You need two to tango. And I'm going running back, running back, running back with youth very much in mind. So there wasn't an obvious pick here for me. And, you know, Ryan and I talk about this a lot. Like, if you use your first pick on Dalvin Cook, he's wonderful. But when you pull him off the the showcase lot, he probably goes down in value. Like, he's probably (laughs) hit his peak in value where some of these other young running backs haven't yet. So Homer Williamson took Najee Harris. But I was very, very torn between Harris and Cam Akers. Um, Just a little bit more knowledge of Akers. I just think Harris is going to be a volume monster. Very, very young for both of them. First-year player, second-year player. I was hoping to get one of those two at like eight, but I had to take it with five. I couldn't get out. It's so interesting with Dynasty Leagues, too, because it's a good stock report for the NFL. And, and, oh, very much and, so. And I love yeah. playing that game. And when I look at someone like Christian McCaffrey coming off a pretty major injury, Saquon Barkley, who's not ready to even participate right now for the New York Giants, those are the players, if I'm in a Dynasty League, that probably still have a lot of value that I'm trying to trade like crazy. Because, Absolutely. you know, getting into that second contract territory with Christian McCaffrey, we saw him get hurt in what uh the first half of the first season on his second contract like I don't want any part of second contract running backs in the dynasty league I'd be trying to trade those types of players and I thought the Panthers should have traded real life Christian McCaffrey too to start a new regime and a new rebuild but that's another story um and so running backs like Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris like you mentioned with Dalvin Cook pulling him off the lot I would rather have Taylor or Harris than Dalvin Cook, even though uh, there's no guarantee they're going to be better ever, and they're probably not better right now. I'm just playing the long game in this, and that's why it's it would be hard for me at pick five where you were not to take maybe Justin Jefferson, who was the first wide receiver, by the way, in this draft that went the pick right after you at number six, or even you know uh, AJ Brown, who was the second wide receiver, DK Metcalf. Those names would be pretty, pretty tempting to me at your spot at number five but I agree that five spot I'd be trying to move down like crazy and probably trying to be moving down from pick number one in this draft yeah and when I started to get involved in dynasty I absolutely would have taken one of those receivers and got three young receivers started them for 10 years but my strategy is I can get receivers in the sixth and seventh round that are very startable I can't get running backs I mean there's only 20 25 maybe 
dynasty running backs you're really excited to own. And some of those guys are, you know, Derrick Henry, who might only have one or two good years left. Right. And so it's to me, I'm not as I think for you, Williamson, the way you go about this is you're trying to win year one. Right. And stay young and stay. Yeah. So you're trying to do both at the same time, which is ideal for me. I am. I'm trying to add the most value to my roster year one Mm -hmm. and not as much worried about, you know, if I have to scrape together running backs in my first year, I know that I'll be able to find some running backs eventually. And if I've got stud everything else, then when I add that running back year two, then I'm dominating people. So that's kind of the way I look at it going in and uh, in the locked on NFL uh, in-house dynasty league that we have, we started up last year, and it's a, but it's a two quarterback league, so that changes things obviously. And I drafted Patrick Mahomes with the second pick after McCaffrey went number one, and now I have Herbert and Patrick Mahomes in that league. I have no That's running awesome. backs, but I also kind of sputtered through the season and then did really well in our uh, consolation bracket, which means I'm drafting pretty high. So now I have the opportunity to get ATN or. Um, or Najee mm-hmm. Harris or something like that. And I'm going to plug in some running backs to my roster who had, it was George Kittles on there and I've got stud wide receivers. So look out for team Peacock in the locked on NFL dynasty leagues. I'm about to dominate, even though I didn't, I was, I, <laughs> I had awful running backs in year one, but that's just the way you have to, you have to make some consolations and try to figure out how to build your team. And it's looking like it's coming together for me and got lucky on Justin Herbert. No, it sounds like your team's in really good shape. And, you know, especially if you have a reasonably good high, you know, pick this year or even next year, if you have a really good season this year, you can consolidate picks and move up and get the next running back to add to the mix too. You know, you have the infrastructure in place. I just kind of took a different strategy. You know, I was going to try to win now and stay young with the thoughts of I'm probably going to trade Najee Harris in three years anyways. Even if he's the best running back in football, I'll get youth for him then, you know, and I'll find my receivers. Banners do fly forever, though, and I've definitely been in leagues, keeper leagues, dynasty leagues, where you try that, and then you never win, and then you look at the teams who drafted stud players early and picked up all the older players and, and found steals later in the draft, like we'll talk about here with wide receivers. I think you just said that, finally, uh, Julio Jones went off the board in round seven, right? Right, right. Which is crazy. So you could stack your roster with someone like Julio Jones if you're drafting running backs early and be really good early and win a bunch of titles, and then... My team that's trying to rebuild from the start never gets good. And you're just laughing because you're like, yeah, thank you for all the free players that I won with early in this dynasty league. Yeah, and here's a great example. So we're on the fifth pick in the eighth round. That guy's on the clock right now. Terrence Marshall just went to Carolina to give you some frame of reference. Yeah, and and Adam Thielen hasn't been drafted yet. Wow. (laughs) So, you know, he's 31, I think. He's probably starting to decline. But if I had Adam Thielen to my roster, I'm starting him every week and I'm not paying much to get him. You know, like Julio just went, Odell went very recently. Robert Woods only went a couple picks ago. So, yeah, I mean, there's a line of, okay, Williamson, I'm going to stay young. But at this point in the draft, give me a guy that I can start for two years, you know, and a guy like Adam Thielen. I mean, he's going to be a, what, a third round pick in redrafts this year, fourth round pick. And one of the things that happens is, Many times, dynasty drafts, when they're after the real NFL draft for rookies, they go in order. The rookies go kind of in order of what they were drafted. So whoever last year ended up with Justin Jefferson got a ton of value because they drafted him as the, you know, he didn't have a ton of hype coming into his rookie season. They got a ton of value on him versus whoever took Henry Ruggs, right? And Henry Ruggs, by the way, has not been drafted in this yet. And 
Won't be soon. Probably. Yeah, and Justin Jefferson was the first wide receiver taken in this dynasty league. Uh, let's fast yeah. forward to your last pick, though, which was a second round rookie on that point, a second round rookie wide receiver for the Jets, who I like a lot, Elijah Moore. But Elijah Moore went the pick after Julio Jones, went before Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd, Odell Beckham, and Terrace Marshall. So that's that's super interesting. Yeah, and I went three three running backs. Um Tight end, I took Lamar Jackson, I took a tight end, and I can tell you how that all went. Claypool as well. So I was really short on receivers. So I basically kind of pigeonholed myself in this point in the draft where my next two picks have to be receivers. And I was on the clock with the 79th pick, and I was going to be busy that day. So I pre-drafted, I put my list in of these are the, the receivers. If they're there, take them in this order. And the two names I put in with like five, five picks left for me up there, hoping I would get one of the two was Tyler Lockett and Elijah Moore. So it comes up. I get Lockett. Great. I'm happy. And then I'm reading blurbs left and right that Moore's tearing it up at camp. So I traded a lot to get two picks after my Lockett pick to go get more. So now I'm in this big gap where I don't pick for a long time. But I added guys in two out of three picks that I wanted much higher. So uh, I got Lockett, Moore, and Chase Claypool are my receivers, and that's by far my weakest position. And that's after going running back, running back, running back to start for you. And I, I like the value of your second and third round picks even you know a, a lot more than a rookie running back in round one, even though I know you you believe in Najee Harris there. And, sure, and, sure. And he but, could yeah. definitely be a stud from day one. But getting Dobbins in round two and Joe Mixon in round three is pretty fantastic value. Yeah, I'm starting those three for the foreseeable future, and I think I'll be hard to beat this year. I have a lot of hopes for Dobbins going forward as a, an upside guy. I'll probably be looking to add Gus Edwards on the cheap here five rounds from now or so, just in case, uh, something like that. But um, then I went, I did not, I planned on taking a quarterback very late. That's just my strategy. But there was sort of a spot in the draft here after my three receivers where Mahomes had kind of gone. And I didn't love what was sitting there. There were good players, but I'm like, man, I hate playing against teams that have Mahomes and Lamar and guys like that. So I scooped up Lamar with my fourth pick. That was an off script move for me. I actually like the fourth round quarterback in this league and looking at yeah. Mahomes, uh, who, whoever fighting couch potatoes is that in the third <laughs> pick of round four, they got Patrick Mahomes in a dynasty. I love that because you can, he kind of started the run. Yeah. yeah. You can win one position every week for, 10 years Forever. in this right. league, right? Exactly. And so that there's some value to that. I have no problem with going quarterback somewhat early in a in a dynasty league when there's a, a clear stud, and and then it was Murray, and then you got Lamar Jackson there in that same round. So I, I think that just adds to the value of your team. And so I, yeah. I have no problem with those quarterback picks. Actually, what I do have a problem with here, and, and we're running out of time, so let's finish up on this position, the tight ends. Very interesting to me that Kyle Pitts was a very high high. pick. He went in the second round, a rookie tight end. And tight ends can take some time to develop, and we don't know exactly what he's going to look like yet. He was the second tight end selected, one pick after George Kittle. So this is middle of round two here. That's pretty high, going ahead of Travis Kelsey even, so and Darren Waller, who both went in the third round. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That shocked me, to be very honest with you. That, That really shocked me. And my last note on my team kind of revolves around that is because I had my three backs. I had Lamar, which I hadn't planned on doing. So I'm sitting there going in with my the fifth pick and fifth round going, I have to get a receiver here, right? I mean, uh, but I really only like two tight ends still. I like Hawkinson and I like um, Andrews, who 
you know, I think pairing with Lamar has some value. So I'm like, do I want to take one of those two or can I wait one more round to get one of the top six tight ends? Because after that, I think you kind of throw them all in a bag. But I just decided I can't wait five rounds without having a receiver. So I took Chase Claypool and then with the pick after me, Hawkinson went and I kind of panicked going, I got to get back up. So I just kept calling all those teams to try to move up to get Andrews. Finally got in at 5'11 and did get Andrews. And then I took those last two receivers that I mentioned, Lockett and Elijah Moore, and that's where I'm sitting right now. So I got three receivers. I'm not going to touch receiver or quarterback or tight end for a long time, and I'm just going to add depth running backs and receivers for the next five or six picks or so probably. Last note on your team, I don't know if you planned this or if this was your homerism. That It's pretty crazy. <laughs> very strong Pittsburgh Steelers, yes, but just the, the entire division, the AFC North. Almost, uh, I think almost all of your players are from the AFC North. My top six picks were all AFC North guys. I mean, I just went off script here with Lockett and Elijah Moore. No intentions of doing that. I knew I had a really good chance of getting Najee, but I mean, I'm sure that there's an underlying theme there somewhere. I'm sure Sigmund Freud or something could come up with something. <laughs> Put me on the couch. Like, come on, Williamson. Uh, all right. Good stuff there. Um, Dynasty Leagues, super fun. Join one. Really if you've never played one, go Subscribe to Locked On Dynasty Football right here on the Locked On Podcast Network and listen to Matt Williamson a couple times a week talking Dynasty Football. We will continue some conversations here and there about the fantasy world and the Dynasty world here on this program as well and have all of the latest daily as we do. Peacock and Williamson.